Jehovah Jireh, God does provide. But he provides as we take steps of faith. And today I'd like to look at the importance of living by faith. Many Christians sense the goodness of God. They sense his care. But they don't see miraculous provision because there isn't grace being activated by faith-filled steps, obeying the word of God and following what the Lord has clearly stated to do. Do we really trust God? You know, we can say it, we can sing it, we can proclaim it, but it's the actions of faith in what God has said that shows forth whether or not we really do believe him. I grew up in Durango, Colorado, as I often mention. Those were my growing up years, and what a great place to grow up. Uh, Right down the road from me was a ski hill. You can't beat that. And uh, it was quite a, a good ski hill. But back in those days, it didn't have a lift. It had just a rope, uh, uh, you know, the rope. And and so uh, I was just a second grader, and I wanted to learn how to ski. And so I had some instruction, and and, uh, it all was great until I had to, I looked at the mountain going up, and there's this rope continually moving. And they were explaining to me how you, if you grab it right away, you'll just go right on your head. Uh, If you let the rope go through too much, you will no longer have gloves. You know, real exciting things they're telling you. So you have got to uh, gradually get a hold of it, and you get then a good firm grip, and it'll start uh, taking you. Your skis have to be, of course, parallel. You know, for a second grader, that's a lot to think about, I'm telling you. Especially to a second grader looking up at that, that mountain. I mean... And parts of that rope, it just seemed like it was going like this, you know, right up the vertical side of it. And uh, I remember thinking, I really didn't want to take ski lessons. I don't know why I did this. And and yet, of course, peer pressure really helps when uh, others and my friends, you know, zip, bing, right up. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I tell you, I was sweating. It was cold, but I was sweating. And uh, I remember I finally had to make a decision. Could I trust the instructor that if you did it right, it would pull you all the way to the top? And I just envisioned, you know, all of a sudden it would break or I'd let go and then what a mess I would be in. You know, all those visions were coming. But uh, he told us exactly what to do. And I'll never forget. He said, Wayne, your turn. So I went over there and got, and there's that rope coming by. And uh, I had to make a decision. Was I going to believe my instructor? Was I going to believe the rope uh, that all this would work? I had split seconds, but I think I thought through hundreds of words while I was uh, standing there. This was a very real deal. I mean, it's amazing. I could have definitely had cardiac arrest right there. I mean, it was was really high-level tension. And I put my gloves on that thing, and sure enough, I realized I better not. And uh, but it got pretty warm fast because I wasn't grabbing it fast enough. And I uh, finally got a hold of it, and sure enough, it took me up. Thankfully, my skis were parallel. A few moments as I got up, I began to realize I am really going up. But it got me to the top, and uh, it was a moment of faith 
It was courageous faith, folks. I'm telling you, I was real impressed with myself. Uh, I got up that ski hill. Of course, a few times later, no problem. In fact, you had to be careful because you'd get yourself all twisted up. You know, kids can just, I'd zip over there, bang, get on it, and up you go. But first few times were scary. But you know, as we are told what the Word of God says and the reality of who He is and the principles of life and how He created us, key steps of faith can actually make your heart pump a little bit. They can expose your weakness, all of our human weakness. And you begin to realize, will this really work? And that's going to be the moment in which we're going to believe that spiritual reality is reality, eternal reality is reality, and not what we can see and think. And when you take the step of faith that God calls you to take, at that moment you begin to realize there's a lot more than I can see. And that power, for instance, that took me to the top in the sense of just going skiing, there is a power that will take you upward in your life when you are willing to do what God has told you to do. Genuine faith means there will be courageous action to fulfill the spiritual reality. You look at Hebrews chapter 11, in fact you can turn there with me, Hebrews chapter 11, Abel had to offer the right sacrifice and he paid for it. Enoch pleased God because he met with God. Noah prepared an ark. Wow. Abraham went out not knowing whether he was going out of the comfort of Ur of the Chaldees. And then, of course, as we looked for three messages at his willingness to obey God in the sacrifice of Isaac, he had to take the step of faith, and then God greatly blessed him. And on and on you can go. And we look here now at another extraordinary example of faith and I believe this will help us today in particular. Let me give you again a definition of faith that uh, was, is helpful. From Kent, we gave this uh, last week. Hence, faith is the confidence, confident assurance which the believer has because God has provided conviction about unseen realities. Faith is the confidence assurance which the believer has because God has provided conviction. God will give us the strength about unseen realities. Remember what Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently think him. C.H. Spurgeon, talking about this kind of faith, said, Never think for a moment that strong faith in the Lord is necessarily pride. It is the reverse. It is one of the worst forms of pride to question the promise of God. God is able to work in the divine realm to accomplish His purposes. Now, God can never take away I'm sorry, Satan can never take away the result of our saving faith. When we trusted Christ and we took that step and believed in him alone, God saved us for eternity. What a wonderful thing. 
But Satan can undermine our faith and cause us not to take the steps that we ought to take so that we can grow and become a Christian that will honor the Lord and reproduce ourselves and others. He can undermine the doctrines of the Word of God and he can get us to sleep, slip into wrong thinking and not willing to take the right steps. And so I want us to look at the story now of Moses. We looked at Abraham both from Genesis and then here in Hebrews chapter 11 in this matter of faith. It was Abraham who made that great statement, Jehovah Jireh. And uh, now Moses uh, reemphasizes this wonderful uh, willingness to trust God. So if you look with me please at uh, verse 23 of chapter 11. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. That was actually the faith of his parents, willing to put their lives on the line because they knew that God wanted Moses to be preserved. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now we know the incident in which he actually had to leave. But I think well before that, Moses had made the decision to identify with the people of God and to not take the great opportunity that was set before him to be the next Pharaoh of the most mighty empire that had ever been in the history of the world. It was a powerful uh, empire. And Moses was the heir to the throne. And he had made the decision as a young man to surrender to God's call upon his life. He knew that his life had been preserved. He knew that he had had this opportunity not to fulfill his own selfish desires, but because God was going to make him a deliverer. However, these next verses show us how easily he could have been tripped up from that purpose. Read with me now at verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had a recompense, had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Number one, he did not succumb to the pressure of materialism. He did not succumb to the pressure of materialism. This could have undermined everything that God had prepared. And this was going to be the key deliverance of the people of God and the fulfillment of the covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And very clearly here, the uh, Moses was in a very, very pressured position all the way up till 40 years of age. He was living in an opulent uh, palace. He was uh, the son of the most powerful woman that had ever had influence, Hatshepsut, there in Egypt. Egypt's power uh, went all over the civilized world. Uh, it was a place of demonic worship. Satan's very headquarters were probably in Egypt at this point. And, uh, and the 
the awful lifestyle that goes along with this kind of uh, satanic religion and kind of lifestyle was all right around him. He was groomed to be the next Pharaoh. Um, tradition says that he became a great general and had some tremendous campaigns of success. I mean, there were all kinds of temptations that could have brought him down. But especially the Bible says here, the treasures in Egypt. Several men speak to this that we that are, have been leaders over the years, Dwight L. Moody. Getting riches brings care. Keeping them brings trouble. Abusing them brings guilt. And losing them brings sorrow. It is a great mistake to make so much of riches as we do. And then... We have uh, another familiar name to you if uh, you listen to the radio around here, Erwin Lutzer. It is almost impossible to develop true worshipers in affluent uh, surroundings. It's quite a statement, but it's true. Uh, White says, Christians have never worn the clothes of affluence well. <laughs> and then Bill Vaughn, money won't buy happiness, but it will pay the salaries of a huge research staff to study the problem. <laughs> And uh, isn't that true, folks? Now, haven't we been blessed materially in America? No time in history has the vast majority of any country ever had a decent lifestyle like we've had. And yet, never has a country had as much mental problems, uh, family uh, breakup, um, uh, sin problems, drug problems, everything you can think of. So materialism is a great problem. So the riches of Egypt were a great temptation. Uh, the wealth of the 18th dynasty was incredible. Uh, you look at the, uh, if you've ever been to the exhibit of King Tut's uh, tomb, he was but a minor pharaoh and uh, a part of a dynasty that wasn't as great as uh, when Moses was there in the, um, uh, in the palace and, but it just staggers you. The wealth is just, uh, uh, just almost indescribable. And so the, the, he lived in that. And uh, it's the great temptation of our day. Folks, whether we like to admit it or not, we really do trust what we have for our identity and our security. And by the way, I urge you for a number of reasons not to do that. Uh, but that has been the way... Uh, uh, we are, and we live without the power of God to have our needs met. Theodore Roosevelt made that famous statement, the things that will destroy America are peace at any price, prosperity at any cost, safety first instead of duty first, the love of soft living, and the get-rich-quick theory of life. Isn't that interesting? All of which have been a problem. And selfishness has been a greater problem each generation because of uh, the fact that children have just been brought up with their needs being met and they've been catered to. It's not their fault, it's just how it has been. And so there has been more and more of a problem. As Colossians 3, 5 says that covetousness there at the end of the verse, which is idolatry. But let me move on. It's very interesting, he says here, um, the writer of Hebrews under inspiration, esteeming, verse 26, the reproach of Christ, greater riches than treasures in Egypt, for he had a respect under the recompense of reward. 
the reproach of Christ. He had a spiritual understanding of what life was about. A man uh, had uh, a vision that an angel came to visit him. He was a businessman and promised to grant him one request. And so the man requested a copy of the stock market quotes for one year in the future. <laughs> As he was studying the future prices on the uh, stock exchanges, he boasted of his plans and the increased riches that would be made as he had this insider look at the future. But he made a mistake. He looked across the newspaper page only to see his own picture in the obituary column. <laughs> in the light of certain death, um, all of a sudden, the stock quotes didn't have any more importance. Interesting dream. Folks, what are we living for? As was preached on Thursday night, there is no U-Haul behind a hearse. We take nothing with us. And we need to be understanding as Moses did. And this is remarkable. We're talking here of, of 1,400 years before Christ. But he had some understanding, as did Abraham, because Jesus said Abraham saw Christ's day and rejoiced. And so the Lord revealed to these men that the Messiah, the one that would come, uh, would be the one to uh, take away their sins. There was an understanding of that. And Moses was... Uh, was looking at his life. He had the opportunity to be the most powerful man in the world. And yet he saw down the uh, corridors of history through the centuries that there would be one who would come and that would be the Messiah, the one who would be of his people to redeem them and deliver them. And so he made a very thoughtful and lasting decision he decided to esteem the reproach and all the, the pressure he would have to follow Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt because he looked at the eternal reward. That's an amazing thing. Hebrews 13, 13 says, Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For we have here, he, we here have... We know continuing city, but we seek one to come. Now, folks, the faith step of giving is really all about this. It is about the fact that we see eternity, not the here and now. We're not trusting in our riches. We are trusting in the deliverer, Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of looking back through the centuries and knowing uh, that and having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the completed Word of God. And so this matter of tithing and giving, folks, is one of the key aspects of putting our faith into action that indeed we are not going to live like Moses was not going to live for the riches of the treasures of Egypt. He was willing to forsake Egypt. He was willing to forsake all that he had to honor the Lord. And we need in just the giving to say, Lord, we are not going to live for security, identity, for the sense of, uh, of uh, meaning in our life from what we have materially. Lord, through our tithing and giving, I'm tell, uh, Lord, I'm showing you that I want to put you first. I am living for your cause. 
And my, how God blesses that. This problem of materialism, I like what R.T. Kimball said, Kindle, tithing is a solution no one talks about. If every Christian tithed, every congregation would be free of financial worries and could begin truly to be the salt of the earth. If every Christian would tithe, the church would begin to make an impact on the world that would change it. The church instead is paralyzed. It's just the way God's plan is. But the point is not a matter of the church functioning as an organization, folks. It's us being spiritually empowered because we have our priorities right and Christ has become the center of what we're doing instead of being successful. J. Oswald Sanders said, The basic question is not how much of our money we should give to God, but how much of God's money we should keep for ourselves. And that perspective has saved many a Christian from heartache and kept them from worshiping like covetousness, which is idolatry, worshiping the materialism of our day. I have seen so many sweet Christians just give of themselves to uh, making money and their professional success and miss out on the valuable years of the privilege of serving God. So tithing, folks, is a decision of faith. Uh, it is one of the key starting steps in the Christian life. Uh, God has put it in, the, in our conscience. Genesis 14, 20, Abraham, uh, when he got all these uh, uh, means because of uh, conquering uh, Chedorlaomer and comes back, he meets up to Melchizedek. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hands. And Abraham, that's he, Abraham gave him tithes of all. In other words, it was a constant way for Abraham to show his faith in God. By the way, that's why he could offer Isaac in chapter 22. Because he was willing to give what he had in chapter 14. It's very interesting when Jacob faces the reality now of life and he's having to flee from his brother and he's heading into uh, the land of uh, the, his, his background there, um, as he's at Bethel, we read in Genesis 28-22 there with the, uh, Jacob's ladder, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So here the grandson of Abraham understood that if he was going to have a relationship with God and he was going to have uh, any opportunity to have the blessing of God, he had to, whatever God blessed him with, he would give the tithe. Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Leviticus 27.30, built right into the uh, theocracy of Israel, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. But it's very interesting, at the very end of the Old Testament, when the people were again going away from the Lord, one of the strongest passages, and you often hear it at a time like this, is Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. 
And so very clearly, there at the very end of the revelation of the Old Testament, before the 400 centuries of silence, before John the Baptist came on the scene, one of the last messages is, your clear lack of faith and your uh, come, going away from me is tied to not trusting me about your giving. The Lord Jesus validated the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. And uh, uh, speaking of that, and that there were greater things, but he said, you have done well in tithing. Matthew 5, 17, think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not to uh, come to destroy, but to fulfill. And then he goes on in uh, Matthew 5, 27, ye have heard it was said uh, by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. In other words, the law was just the basics. It, God with the Spirit of God and the full deliverance we have as New Testament believers and the grace of God, we can be like Him. We can be liberated from ourselves. And so to, to just look in a constrained way at this matter of giving misses the whole point. We are showing forth that God owns all and we can trust Him and we are trophies of grace and we owe all to Him. We're to fulfill the law through a grace-filled life. Even the early church fathers strongly taught on this subject. And, uh, and let me just say, folks, uh, I don't encourage you, if you've not been giving, to say, well, I'll gradually get into it. Maybe I'll start with 3%. That's a lot, you know, 5%. Well, it'd be like a man that was a bank robber saying, I used to rob six banks a year, but this year I'm only going to rob three. Well, isn't that what the Lord said in Malachi 3? Ye have robbed me. You know, it's not real smart to rob the police station. And it's not real smart to rob the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's that serious, folks. You know, it's not easy to talk about money. It's not easy to talk about this. But I would be very uh, wrong in not being strong on the fact that God and our worship of him and walking by faith, all of this is wrapped around in what do we do with our material possessions? And you see, Moses, we still know about him today because he did not let the riches of Egypt uh, control him. And then there's grace giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Therefore as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Our giving should be because of God's grace. Uh, 8, 3 in 2 Corinthians, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves speaking of their giving. Oh, I think it's so important for us to understand God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. And I'm telling you, I've lived a long time and I've been in the ministry a long time and men and women who have trusted God and who have been uh, just willing to trust Him and continue to move forward, the blessing of God, the spiritual blessing and the provision for them and the reality of who God is, uh, it is a, a glorious thing. Oh, folks, we just, we, we choke ourselves spiritually when we're not willing to do what God prompts us to do. And so we are stewards of God's. And, and as we think of Christ, as he thought of Christ's coming, and we th think of Christ that came, can we not? And 
uh, give of ourselves. And what was it that really motivated him? It was uh, the recompense of the reward, verse 26. He uh, saw down the line that this was going to be worth it, and it certainly was worth it. Final thought here. You look at the paralysis of fear, verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is inevitable. A week ago I preached in the evening service on fear being a faith killer. And I don't know of anything that will kill the faith of giving more than fear. Trying to figure out how will it all work. But folks, the best way to think about this matter of tithing, for instance, especially tithing, because that's what God directly asks us to do. I don't think of my income from the a whole amount I get. Immediately in my mind, 10% of the gross is already automatically God's. So when I think budget uh, evaluated is always the 90%. If you just think that way. And then it's a privilege to start giving that 11 and that 12 and that 13 and that 14. Now you're giving because it's not even duty here. This is a great privilege to give what God's allowed you to use. Now you're, you're just giving because you love the Lord. But fear will cause us not to do what is right. We know that God's not given us a spirit of fear. We often quote from 2 Timothy 1, 7, but that's one of Satan's tools to keep our eyes on ourselves. And um, so he decided to forsake all, and he had steadfast trust in the Lord in, in what was some very fearsome situation, the wrath of the king, and all that he had to endure. Fear did not work on Moses, at least not when God called him out of Egypt. He knew he had an invisible but powerful means of support as seeing him who is unseen. He knew that no matter what happened, whatever he had to face, he would be held up and strengthened and rewarded. As David said in Psalm 27:1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall be I be afraid? Let me just ask you, folks, do you believe God is real? Do you believe the Bible's true? Well, this commitment time is a real test of that. I know for me it has been. It's more than just mentally adhering to doctrine. Do we believe that God will provide? Do you believe He's Jehovah Jireh? Do you believe that He's the God that uh, has, is the deliverer? Do you believe he can deliver you? Are you willing to go against common sense from a world standpoint? Are you willing to go against your flesh, which is selfish, and to say, Lord, this is the one way I want to show you. I know you're owner of all, and I know you are my God, and I am going to trust you that you will provide. Let's bow for prayer.